0: and welcome to Faith Community. If you are visiting with us for the first time, we are delighted to have you and so glad that you've come to worship with us this morning. I want to make a special announcement. Uh, Filling the pulpit this morning is Reverend Bill Kelly. Reverend Kelly was here as one of our pastors during the late 80s. Uh, We are very excited and, and glad to have him back with us today. Bill, this isn't his first time back, Bill has been playing with our praise team at the 11 o'clock service, and uh, he he plays a mean bass guitar. So if you want to see him in action, come to the 11 o'clock service, and you can see that going on. If you will look at the announcements today, um, a special attention, we're asking for special prayers for our Boy Scouts as they do their annual camping out uh, trip at this time. There is also an announcement about Bible school, And we want you to take special note of that as we prepare and begin to pray for that mission activity to take place at our church. At this time, I would ask you to stand and join me in the call to worship. A new day has dawned, God's gift to us. The fruits of the land are ours to enjoy.
1: We are a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come.
0: This is a day for forgiveness and reconciliation. Celebrate God's love for the lost who are found.
1: The glad cries of deliverance surround us. Shouts of joy arise from our hearts.
0: Let all who are faithful offer up prayers. May all who are in Christ give thanks.
1: We will be, be glad and join the, the dance, dance of, of life.
0: With the, the upright, upright of heart, we, we rejoice and, and sing. Please join us in our first opening hymn, uh, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, number 365 in your hymnal, or if the words are also on our screens.
2: grace of our loving lord grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt yonder on calvary's mount outpoured here where the blood of the lamb was spilled grace And cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Gun and despair, like the sea waves cold, fret in the soul with infinite that is greater. Yes, grace untold points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse. it away, love there is flowing a crimson tide, brighter than snow you may be today. infinite matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who believe You that are longing to see His face You this moment His grace
0: Join in the opening prayer. It's printed in your bulletin and also on the screen. Welcome, well God, we have gathered together so that you may teach us the way we should go.
1: In our times of distress and need, you have provided. When we have stubbornly followed our own plans, you have curbed our impulses.
0: From From our our days days of confusion confusion and and aimless wandering,
2: you have rescued us and restored us to our true identity. Meet us now as we worship worship together
0: to shape shape us us. into a righteous, reconciling people. people. Amen. Amen. Please join in our prayer hymn, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling, number 348 in your hymnal, Verses one, two, and four.
2: For me, I'm home.
1: Good morning. Again, as Joyce said, my name is Bill Kelly, and I was here with uh, J. Paul Jones and Paul Brown, if you remember them. It was a blessed time to be here then, and it's a blessing to be here with you this morning. So let us come to God in prayer. Loving Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. You know us, Lord. At one time, we were far from you, but we've been born again. And thank you, Lord, that we're now part of your family with a wonderful prospect of living for, with you in heaven through all eternity. Thank you for your faithfulness and your mercy and grace today. You're always there when we need you. You've never turned us away, and you've never failed us. In our troubles and trials, even, Lord, in the valley of the shadow of death, you've been right there with us. You've helped us through, so we praise you today. And we wish we could tell you that we earnestly want to do your will and fulfill your plans for us. We wish, you could promise, we wish we could promise those things, but you know us. We're so busy living in the here and now. We have jobs, we have families, we have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. We have responsibilities. So often, Lord, we're like those invited to the wedding feast who have so many competing priorities they just don't have the time to celebrate. So help us, Lord to repent and put first things first. Help us, Lord, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and let the other things fall into their rightful places. And we've come here this morning with very personal needs. Maybe nobody on earth knows about the struggles and burdens we're facing, but you know. And you invite us to bring everything to you in prayer. So, Lord, we reach out to you because we know that you're already reaching out to us. We ask you to meet our needs this morning and give us the assurance that you're answering our prayers. And Lord, we lift you so many different kinds of physical needs and financial needs, emotional needs, relational needs. Whatever they are, Lord, we bring them to you because you, Lord, can do something about them. We pray for our community and our country. Lord, we pray for those in seaside Florida waiting anxiously for words of their loved ones caught in the rubble. Oh, Heavenly Father, we lift up those who are still caught in the grips of, of COVID. And Lord, we pray for people to receive the vaccinations that will bring them healing and mercy. And you know, Lord, the divisions and strife that we face, many of our own making. Lord, we pray for those in government. So often we vote for and get exactly the kind of leaders that we deserve, and Lord, you know we need better than that. We pray for our leaders to have divine wisdom and the ability to lead justly and wisely. How wonderful it would be, Father, if there would be a revival of holiness in our country in which each person would seek and share your forgiving grace and love. Amen, Lord. Let it be. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let us share together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
0: At this time, we would ask the ushers to come forward for the morning offering. Me? Thank you, God, for proclaiming our worth when, when we, we do not, not value, value ourselves. Thank, thank you, you for welcoming us to a celebration of life with so many precious, precious gifts. gifts. Thank,
1: thank you, you now for the privilege of sharing, sharing so others may, may be led to your, your joyous embrace. embrace.
0: Help, Help us to be generous in
1: gratitude, in gratitude for your lavish provision. provision for all All our our needs. needs. Amen. Amen.
0: Please remain standing for the scripture lesson. The lesson today comes from Luke 15, verses 1 through 3, and Luke 11 through 32. By this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There... Undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses, and he said... All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am, starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked, What is going on? He told him, "'Your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home safe and sound.'" The older brother stomped off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, "'Look, how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends?' Then this son of yours, who's thrown away your money on a horse, shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found."
1: Thank you, Glenn and Pam, and you, Joyce, for leading the worship service. Now, right after the uh, offering, I was going to come up and walk over here to the lectern and start to preach, Uh, because Glenn, I believe falsely, accused me of, when I was associate pastor here, of forgetting the choir. But I decided to refrain from that little joke. You know, I haven't been far away for many of all these years. I was just up the road in uh, South Springfield at Emory Chapel Church for 15 years. And uh, I was, uh, when I was here, I fellowshiped with Brad Olson, who was at Old Town, uh, he and I fellowshiped quite a bit and related while he was here for some of that time. But here I am now, and I just ask that the Lord bless the meditations of our heart as we listen to his word expounded this morning. Now, this is a story that we're all very familiar with, isn't it? The story of the prodigal son. And we take its title for granted without giving it much thought. But I want us to take a look at God's grace this morning by taking a different and I think more accurate slant on it. Because this story is not just about the wandering son, it's about both sons and the father's love. Now, the title of my sermon, Prodigal God, Our prodigal God. How can you call God a prodigal? What does prodigal mean anyway? I'm asking for participation here. What does prodigal mean? And how can you call God a prodigal? Now you can think of God as prodigious, because that means extremely great or impressive, and we would all say amen to that. You could think of Jesus as a prodigy. You remember, as a young man, he was there in the temple impressing the teachers, showing his potential. But what does prodigal mean? Well, the dictionary says it's spending resources freely, wastefully, extravagant. Now, how can that pertain to God? Now, that defines the actions of the Son in the far country, doesn't it? I mean, as long as he had money, he spent it unwisely. But God? I, what I wanted to tell you this morning is that God is a prodigal. He spends his grace lavishly, freely. The scribes and Pharisees might say, Recklessly. Think of the story of the sower and the seed. How many of you are farmers here this morning? Any farmers here? Up the road we had a couple of farmers. You know when you plant seed, you have a seed drill. And that drill places each seed exactly where it should be at exactly the depth it should be to maximize germination. That's careful but this farmer in Matthew thirteen reaches his hand into his bag and he just scatters his seed everywhere. It goes on the rocky, it goes on the rocks, it goes on the stony path, it goes in the good soil. He scatters it wherever. Jesus told us this story to show that God liberally gives his grace to everyone. He broadcasts it prodigally, extravagantly. And all we need to do is receive it. Amen? Now, the, like I said, the usual title of this parable is the prodigal son, but this is about two sons. Because there are two groups of people listening to Jesus. And the first were men and women of questionable reputation. They were an ongoing feature of Jesus ministry and he was even eating and drinking with them and they correspond to the younger brother and like that young man they had at some point left the teachings of their family and their church and followed their own course of self-discovery and then there was the second group the Pharisees and religion scholars who represented that elder brother They studied and obeyed scripture, they worshiped faithfully and prayed constantly, and they were offended that Jesus was fellowshipping with these sinners. He should be relating to them, reinforcing what they were doing instead of relating to these wandering sinners. What they didn't know was their self-righteousness was destroying not only their lives, but the lives of those around them who needed to know God's grace. Both the religious and the irreligious, therefore, listen to me now, both those who were religious and those who were irreligious were spiritually lost. Now, this is also reflected in the culture wars of today. On the one hand, more and more people consider themselves non-religious or even anti-religious. Lifestyles are becoming more and more, more, to put it kindly, various. Such people, and some with good reason, are suspicious of individuals and institutions that claim to have moral authority over the lives of others. And alarmed by this rise in immorality, some conservative Orthodox people have organized to, quote, take back the culture. And they have as dim a view of the others as the Pharisees did of the sinners in Jesus' day. And this divide is splitting our country right down the middle. But Jesus' answer is to appeal to both brothers, the wayward and the moralist, with the freely given, forgiving grace of God. He offers the same appeal today. So let's take a closer look at these two lost sons. The first is the younger son. He's had enough of his father's house and he wants out now. Have you ever been there? When I was 17, that's where I was. I wanted to get away to college so badly. Couldn't wait. My, my mother offered me this choice. I could go to Arizona State where I wanted to go and where I did go. Or I could go to University of Nevada, Reno, close to home, and she'd give me a car. I wanted to go so badly, I hopped on the first plane down to Phoenix. So, here I am, younger brother. Well, I was the third of four children, two older sisters, you know how it is. Younger son. But he comes to his dad with a shocking request. Give me my share of the inheritance. No, when dad died, it would be the usual thing for the older son to get two-thirds and for the younger son to get one-third. But he said, I want right now what is coming to me. He wants his father's hard-earned stuff, but he wants nothing to do with his father. He's lived off his father to this point, but now he wants out. So the father unbelievingly lovingly, some may say recklessly, gives his younger son the third that is, quote, coming to him. Aren't we glad we aren't all getting what's coming to us? You know, it's amazing, isn't it, that God gives us this kind of freedom to choose our own way? We all know what happens to the younger brother. I won't go into detail there. But when he comes to his senses, he devises this plan. He's going to go to his father and admit that he was wrong. He had no right to be called his son. He just wants a job as a hired man. And back there, stability was everything. If you were in a household and you were a servant or a slave, you had a place there. They had to take care of you. On the other hand, if you were a hired man, you got your pay, but that's all you got. And in that day, that was a very tenuous existence. But as the younger son approaches home, the father, the patriarch, sees him coming down the road. He's still a long way off. He hikes up his robe around his hips, and runs to him. Now, I want us to really think about this. How many of you run today? You know, when I was here living on Meadow Lane, I was gaining a little weight. My blood pressure was going up. And so what I did was I got up early in the morning, put on my running shoes, and I would run the mile to the YMCA work out for an hour, and then run back. And it got so that was no thing. I'd run that mile easily and swiftly. Man, I don't think I'd make it down to the end of the block today. Now, i bike. I'd bike from Springfield to Cincinnati and back. But running, nope, 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 nope. But the Father abandons all thoughts of age and dignity and even safety, and he runs to his son. He's so anxious to see him. Dumbfounded, the young man tries to come out with his spiel, but the dad isn't hearing any of it. He calls for these new clothes and the family ring and shoes for the young man's feet. Then he or- orders up this feast featuring the fatted calf, the best. You know, such an event would have included not just the household, it would have included the whole village. The prodigal father wants everyone to hear the good news. My son, here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now is found. And that good news is for us today. It's not just for you and me, it's for the world. God's loving forgiveness can pardon and restore any and all sin. Remember that old hymn, There's a
2: Fountain Filled with Blood? The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he Wash all my sins away. Isn't that wonderful
1: news? Nothing. Not even the most abject repentance can merit God's grace. We can never do enough to earn it. We can never deserve it. And, beloved, you know, that means we can never own it or control it or restrict it. It is God's alone to give prodigally to whomever will receive it. The Pharisees and teachers of the law are challenged with this truth that our prodigal God can forgive and wants to forgive every sin and restore every person. But that's only half the story. That's only half the story. This is, the first part is the part we usually focus on. But I want us to listen very closely to the second part of this the elder brother nears the house and he hears this party going on and he's at once suspicious. He asks the servant, what's going on? You get the impression he's not a party-hardy kind of guy, don't you? When the servant tells him his wayward younger brother has returned and the father's flooring a party for the whole village, this elder son refuses to go into the celebration. Now, get, listen to this now. This is a fair, very public vote of no confidence in his father's judgment. He thinks this is not right. in front of all the guests, everyone's looking at this patriarch, as he gets up, leaves the feast, and leaves the party to go out to his older son. He pleads. But his son still refuses to come in. Not only does his son refuse, but he is openly rude and insulting to his father. He doesn't address him as dad, even father. Now, if you take a look at the original translation, it's not just look, it's look, you. That's the way he addresses his father. Look you! How many years and so on and so forth. In a society where reverence and respect for elders was the rule, and this is the point Jesus is trying to make, such treatment was outrageous. Why is the elder brother so angry? First of all, there's the cost of the celebration. The father tells the elder son, all that is mine is yours, and that was literally true. Remember, the father had divided his substance between the two sons when the younger son left. So that two-thirds that are remaining, which they're living off of, belongs to, rightfully, the older brother, at least in the future. And now he sees the prized calf being dissipated in this celebration for a wayward son who's done nothing to earn anything, in fact has wasted a third of the family's property. The elder son, rather than loving and serving his father, for the prodigally loving man he was, had built this wall of morality around his heart. He was always doing everything exactly right, following all the rules, and he never needed, really, his father's grace and love. He was good enough. Now, I'm asking here, we who are sitting in church, most of us, I believe, in our own minds are living rightly before God. Do we deserve to be here? Are we like this elder brother Now, you can try to avoid Jesus as Savior. With all, all, with all the hymns about grace and love and everything, we can try to avoid Jesus as Savior simply by following all the moral laws. Or oh, we think we can. You believe God owes you. Answered prayers, a fruitful life, a golden ticket to heaven. Now, we may not think that, we may not vocalize that, but it's so often how we live it out. We look out at those people out there and we contrast ourselves, don't we? Morality becomes a means of maintaining your position in your father's house. Where we believe we're entitled to what we want. Jesus may be your helper. He may be your example. He may be your inspiration. But he's not your savior. Because you're really your own savior. Savior. That was the elder brother. But now that the father has prodigally forgiven his younger wayward son, the emptiness and manipulation and gracelessness of the elder son stands fully revealed. What the gospel tells us, dear people, is that everyone is wrong. Everyone is loved and everyone is called to receive the freely given grace of our prodigal God to repent and to change. The Old Testament tells us this. In Psalm 53, verse 2, it says, God looks down from heaven, searching among all mankind to see if there is a single one who does right and really seeks for God. But all have turned their backs on Him, they are filthy with sin, corrupt and rotten through and through. Not one is good, not one. Jesus said it. John 3:16, "For God so loved the world." He didn't say, "For God so loved the righteous." because, beloved, there ain't none. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned. Oh, no. That no, can't be right. Me? Yes. Yes, Bill. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. When Jesus says all, or when Paul says all, he means all. He means me. He means Marlene back there. He means Joy doll. It means the person walking the bike path outside. It means the guy who's playing golf right now in this beautiful weather. You know, today, elder brothers split the world in two. He said, the good people like us are in and the bad people who cause all the trouble are out. But, you know, younger brothers are doing the same. We open-minded people are the answer to the world and those narrow-minded people are the real problem. And as they speak, can't you hear John Lennon in the background singing "Imagine"? But Jesus says, the humble and repentant are in, and the proud are out. The only prerequisite for receiving the grace of God that we all so desperately need is to admit that we need it, that you need it. So the question is this morning, will you respond to that grace and receive it? And will you then freely offer that grace to others? You know, a newspaper once posed the question, what is wrong with the world? And if you had to answer that question, what would you say? What is wrong with the world? Well, the noted Catholic theologian G.K. Chesterton saw that, wrote a very short note back to the editorial board of that paper. He said, Dear sirs, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. He had it right. Do you want to be a part of the answer to the world's problems instead of the cause? Then repent of your own sin today. And then freely offer grace to others as a true son or daughter so we can all rejoice together in the house of our prodigal God. May God commend this to our hearts this morning. Amen.
0: Please stand and join us in our closing hymn, Amazing Grace, page 378 in your hymnal, and the words are also on the screens.
2: As long as life endures.
1: Good, good, I'm glad. Dick, what's the last name? Oh, yes, okay, right. Right up North Springfield.
2: Oh yeah, okay.
1: Okay. 95. Wow. My son retired two years ago. It's good to see you, I must Clarence. Be old. Gosh. <laughs> You're welcome. Welcome. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. Amazing spirit and message. Thank you, Pastor. It's You're
1: awesome. welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you got a good leader in their Stack. I played in this praise band for five years. I played violin. He's leading y'all. Oh, yeah, right. Right. Awesome. Yes, he is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you.